talking NBA podcast by the score. I'm your host, William Lou. I'm joined by fellow co-host Jessica Sharo. What's going on? And we're joined live from Las Vegas, from outside the Thomas and Mack Center, chilling on a golf cart, uh, John Chick. What's up? How you guys doing? What's the weather like down there? Uh, it's actually cool today, it's, so it's like 38 Celsius. Uh, so I believe one of the coolest days we've had so far. Um, it actually rained the other day, and the bartender told me it was the first time it rained since March. But that didn't change the heat. Mm. It was still like four, above 40 uh, Celsius. So, yeah, yeah, it's cool. Uh, what about that heat inside the arena? That Kevin Knox heat. <laughs> the Knicks back. Chick, you got to tell us if the Knicks are back because uh, yeah. that's all people are talking about on Twitter. It's just Knicks fans uh, fawning over Kevin Knox and even to a lesser extent Mitchell Robertson. Yeah, like if there's one group of people who keeps their expectations in check, it's Knicks fans. But like Knox is uh, Knox looks really good. Like he's he's, he's kind of been dominating this uh, the summer league so far. I have only watched him in person in one game. Um, but like he, I think he's leading the, like the league or like the tournament scoring. Um, he seems to be able to do it all. Uh, I know Fizdale had talked before this thing, right after the draft, about you know how Knox can pair up with Porzingis whenever Porzingis actually gets back. Yeah, no, they, they got reason to be excited, but at the same time, let's let's you know be realistic. This is the next we're talking about. Like, I'm old enough to remember when I think they had Trevor Ariza, and everybody was excited about how good a player Trevor Ariza was. I think they drafted him, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he was like with the Lakers, like two years later. So, you know, I think uh, you know it, it, Nick's got to have something to be excited about. I'm I'm happy for him. I hope this this he pans out. But I, it's he's a player I didn't honestly watch a lot of at Kentucky, so I didn't know a whole lot about him. But yeah, this is a guy who can play both forward positions. I think he can be a dominant scorer. Um, yeah, I mean. They may be honest up here. What like what kind of a scorer is he? Because yeah, I've I've only actually watched one of his summer league games, and I saw that like he's he's shooting below forty percent. So I'm assuming is it because he's like high volume of three point attempts or? Yeah, from what I see, he can go inside, outside. Um, like he gets a lot of his points on like slashes in the paint. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, like, he's, he's a real athlete. I mean, that's what I didn't really know about. I mean, he's one of these Kentucky guys that goes through the program, and, he, you know, you just hear so many names, and honestly, I didn't watch enough of them. But, yeah, he looks like a guy, I'm trying to think of a player, like, you, like remind him of, but, you know, he's like, he's definitely a slashing, you know, 3-4. Um, apparently, you know, he's going to need work on his outside shooting, but, I mean, that's something, I mean, in this league you kind of have to have. Um, you know, I, I think there's still some rawness with him too, but but he can he can fill the cup, and like I think that's obviously what the Knicks need. Yeah, I mean, uh, in the limited tape I've watched of him, he gives off a little bit of the Jason Tatum vibe, like um, pretty yeah, big yeah. wing scorer, right? Like he can surprisingly drive inside. I, I thought he was a little bit skinnier than he was um, in the in the college process, and that's why I, I think his stock wasn't as high. But um, yeah, I yeah, think- Tatum. Tatum's definitely a good a good comparison in terms of size. I think he's like six nine. Um, yeah, totally. And I mean, thing with Tatum too is like Tatum kind of like jumped out at everybody last season too, right? Like I don't think anybody really expected him to be as good as he was. Right. So I, you know, Knicks fans should again try and keep this in check. They don't want to, shouldn't expect this that this guy to become Tatum in his first year. But he's definitely that kind of player. Um, I think he's going to need to round out his shooting game. From outside, but uh, but like t- Tatum, even too in that area, I think he was only about a 35 percent three point shooter, so right about like you know, league average. Um, I mean, Knox, you know, if he can get there, I mean, he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be a weapon. Is 
is uh, Spike Lee walking around the Thomas and Mack Center in like Knox Elementary School jersey or anything yet? <laughs> no, I mean that, that's the thing. I did not see Spike Lee, and I haven't seen like I, most of the reaction from Knicks fans I've seen like on Twitter and online, but I haven't seen like a lot of the Knicks fans here. Oh. So outside of like the New York media, what there are is a ton of Laker fans. Like right. this place, basically Laker City. They just drive up in droves. Um, yeah, yeah, like last night when they were playing the Knicks, um, you know, you might as well have been at Staples Center. Like, it was crazy. Um, and I was talking to a guy who was here last year, and you can imagine how much worse it was when Lonzo and LeVar were here last summer. Um, sadly, we were denied Leangelo, but, you know, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's a Lakers Sadly town. or happily, I'm not sure about that one. It's definitely a Lakers town, though. Yeah. Um, speaking of Lakers, I feel like the Knox thing is, like, in terms of just the hype with – uh, within like the Knicks fan base right now, it, it definitely does feel like last summer where you know you had Kuzma just like taking everyone by surprise, Lonzo um, having a couple of really good performances. I mean LeBron coming to sit uh, and watch his future teammates, which uh, has now been confirmed. Um, I mean you know like maybe Knox maybe Knox is more like a Kuzma type. You know what I mean like three four can shoot a little bit from outside, um, and I don't know. I mean for the Knicks like. They're desperate for a foundational piece. I'm not sure how uh, how Frank is looking, but um, yeah, I mean, look, if, if best case scenario, which I think, which is always what Knicks fans think uh, before the season, and then it's worst case scenario after the trade deadline. Um, yeah, I mean, that Knox and Porzingis could be a really, really nice combo, especially if they're you know trying to make a splash in 2019 for some free agents. Yeah, exactly, and I think. Uh... What was Fizzle uh, talking about? I think last week he was saying like if you could play, he could play Knox at the three, he could play Porzingis at the four, and somebody else at the five. And they could have this giant lineup. And I mean, you know, you still got some perimeter shooting there. I mean, this is the, you know, on paper this is a great kind of combination. As far as uh, Kialina, I don't know. The jury's still out on him. I mean, I, I just seeing him, I, I'm not really sure what he is. I mean, it, I, I think what they love about him too is his, uh, his size. Like he's, you know, I think he's six six. Um, yeah, you know, seven wingspan. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, which is you know, for a point guard, is pretty crazy. But I don't know. Can he really run an NBA point? I'm not sure. But you know, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of raw skiller. I mean, we're beyond that with Porzingis. We know that he's like, you know, he could be a top five player in the league. Um, and, and in terms of Knox, I mean, Knox is definitely a nice complement piece to that. Yeah, the, the Kuzma comparison is actually not bad. I mean, if you could take – I mean, I hate comparisons anyway, but you kind of have to do them so you just get some idea about who these guys are. But if you kind of split Kuzma and Tatum, not to put too much more, you know, expectations because the Knicks fans are going to do that anyway. I think that that's probably a pretty good, uh, pr- pretty good, uh, you know, idea of who, of who he is. But, you know, like, again, you got to keep in mind, too, like, Summer league. I mean, this is summer league, and there's a lot of guys out there who are just trying to play for contracts, trying to get in the league, or trying to stay in the league, um, or guys who are playing in Europe. So, I mean, this isn't the highest competition level, and this is really like I, I haven't seen bad basketball like this in a while. I mean, in person, it's pretty crazy. Like, you, you know, you look for standout performances and development, but man, there's a lot of pocket passes to nobody and like behind the back passes to nowhere. Like, oh, it's it's terrible ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a scene, man. So, you know, when when you see a guy like Knox just dominating, you say, yeah, this is good. This is what he's supposed to do because this is what you know. This guy went to Kentucky, or this is what um, Bamba or Aiden, all these guys, they are good. They're supposed to rise above 
you know, the, the rest of you know, a tournament like this. But, you know, keep in mind who the competition is, of course. And it's Vegas. I mean, I don't know how much these guys are partying every night. I mean, there's kind of a hungover haze in the arena every day. So, mm-hmm. uh, Yo, speaking of Bamba, uh, you were telling us that Mo Bamba also looked like, you know, a potential all-star in the making. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan. I mean, like, I was a big fan – like before the draft when I started reading up on him like uh and like just his, his size obviously that insane wingspan but like yeah he, it's almost like kind of a Yanis like uh again not to compare him to Yanis but he's almost like a Yanis like like three strides down the court like this guy's huge and he can just scamper outside and, and knock down a three he's gonna have to develop that a lot more I mean the comparison was like Rudy Gobert with more offense and if that's true I mean that's insane I mean, think about that. Gobert is like, you know, I think the best defensive big man in the league by far. And if you, Eagle Bamba can just block shots at will. And if he's more refined offensively, I think you got like a franchise center. So I don't know if, I don't know if the Orlando Magic are going to get this right this time. I mean, they've only had like 25 big men on the roster in the last couple of years. So, I mean, this one might work though. I think this one might pan out. Yeah, I came into the draft thinking that Bamba and Doncic for me were like, the two best prospects in the class, if you're talking about upside um, and projecting their future. But like you made a good point with the whole Orlando thing is that so much, especially with a guy like Bamba, he, uh, he's probably not like a full on project, but he's a little bit of a project, right? He's this like kind of perfect body for a modern NBA big man, but he's got like some basketball refinements that are needed. And so a guy like that, you hope he ends up in like a good, um, basketball factory you could say yeah. right and i don't think anyone who's watched the last half decade of nba basketball would call the orlando magic a good basketball factory now they are under different leadership the last year and a half so you know they are trying some new things but yeah if there's one thing that's kind of holding me back on being all in on bomba it's just the fact of where he ended up yeah you're definitely right about that i mean if there's one good thing it's like hennigan's gone and now jeff weltman who's obviously had some success yeah working on a messiah with the raptors but yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going the right direction. I, I would assume they're going to have to trade Vucevic at some point. Like, I can't remember his contract oh, details. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think he has like what one year left on his deals. So I don't know how possible this to move him, but um, but yeah, I mean, they, they should do that. They should they should just let Bomba develop. But I mean, I, you're right. He's there's definitely some he's, there's still some rawness there, mm-hmm. especially offensively. But he just has more offensive game than Gobert. Uh, does now, I think, even. Like, certainly in when Gobert came into the league, and we knew that Gobert was going to be a, you know, the kind of player that could be a force defensively. This guy, this guy could win, like, multiple Defensive Player of the Year awards, like, you know, like Dikemi Matumbo. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, and sometimes, you know, like, it, sometimes being on a bad team helps that development, but it just depends, you know, on who's around them. Like, you know, so they got to get their uh, roster sorted out a bit. Um, I know their guard play still kind of makes you wonder, but um, if, if he's got time to develop, I mean, he's going to be uh, he's going to be an all-star player in a couple of years. Yeah, there's a pretty impressive um, defensive display that uh, Bamba and also Jonathan Isaac last year's uh, yeah. Orlando's uh, lottery pick uh, put together. I mean, they played the Grizzlies and again in summer league, but they held them to 26% shooting from the field for the entire game. Um, yeah. In fairness, that a lot of teams will hold the Grizzlies to that in the regular season too. So you don't have to you don't have to preface that by saying it's summer league. No, no, no. The Grizzlies are back with uh, slow mo. <laughs> slow mo is the future for them. Um, okay, yeah, that's true. But I mean, 
you know, Bamba, like, it's it's the freakish athleticism that really um, jumps off the page. Like, the fact that he barely has to even jump to get rebounds, to get blocks. Like, his reach blocks, is... Yeah. His reach is insane. It's nine foot ten. Like it's like <laughs> yeah, he yeah, barely yeah. has to jump to even touch the rim. And like, um, you know, even I was even, to even the offensive stuff. It, it's not that bad, right? Like you you saw him do a little bit of picking and popping. Like he can yeah. he can do that on offense in addition to just catching lobs and finishing. Yeah, and I mean, this is the thing. Like, you know, he's like with that kind of body. Like, you know, any any kind of like. You know, fluid motion. He's he's gonna be a dominant player if he's puts this all together, right? Like, and like when he blocks shots, I was trying to figure out like what what this was akin to. It was like watching like a, a eagle like spread its wings or something like that, like albatross or something. Like it was insane. Like and, like he's basically and there's hardly any effort to it too. That's why I was like instantly kind of reminded of Yanis because I'm like this it was like when Yanis runs down the floor, he takes like three steps yeah. from like mid court to the to the basket. Um, it's not quite that insane, but you know, it's it's something to behold. So, and, and yeah, Isaac, I know too. That was the first game I saw when I got here the other night. Was uh, I came in and started watching that, and uh, yeah, Isaac and uh, Bomb is kind of an intriguing combination there. I mean, they're both long as hell. Um, you know, what can they give you offensively? I think they both need work, but um, you know, again, if, if the Magic give these guys an opportunity to develop properly. And don't screw this up, then you know the, the reason to be excited. Uh, another two teams that really stood out to me were the Cavs and the Hawks. Uh, we'll start with the Hawks. Trey Young. Um, yeah. He, he had a really tough uh, Utah summer league where a lot of people were already writing him off. I mean, to be fair, he <laughs> shot 23% for the field and just generally didn't look like he could play. Um, but he was much better, um, you know, against the Cavs. 21 points, 11 assists, like. You know, he, he's, he's not bad. There's a reason why he got drafted that high. There's a re- I mean, he led the nation in scoring and assists. Uh, he, he must have some talent, and I think he finally started to show it. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I hate to, like, invoke the Steph Curry thing again, but, like, I mean, that's frankly his game, right? It's, mm-hmm. like, just this ability to pull up from anywhere. Now, obviously, he's not Steph Curry. He's, and it's, it's at the beginning of his career. We're going to have to find that out. But, you know, if he's open in the slightest, he's going to hit a shot. Um you know, as if you can, like, navigate through, like, NBA screens and, you know, the Hawks can put together, uh, you know, enough structure. I mean, yeah, I think he's, he could be pretty good. I think the only thing that makes you wonder, though, too, right, is, uh, is like, you know, we know what happened to Steph earlier in his career. He got beat up, um, fight through injuries, and, like, Trey Young's smaller than Steph. Um, you, you wonder how he's going to hold up. I mean, he had a minor injury here. Um, I think it was the second game. He left that. And I was surprised he played yesterday against Chicago, but he, he – Played pretty well, um, you know. Draining shots, like he can pop from like 30 feet. So I mean, yeah, I mean that's his game. I, I think the Warriors are like not the like Travis Schlenk, the guy who runs the Hawks, who used to work for the Warriors, is honestly trying to envision this as like a poor man's uh, Splash Brothers with him, with uh, Trey Young and like this herder who wasn't really playing here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean if that's the kind of structure they're going to build for him and it works. You know, and he can stay healthy. You know, I don't think he's going to be Steph Curry, but he could be. You know, he's going to be probably better than Jimmer Fredette, put it that way. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Cash, you you want to talk about the the Cavs a little bit as well? I mean, they've had a couple of really impressive guys on their team. Yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot of people wanted to watch Colin Sexton, and I'm usually not, you know, sold or convinced by second year players who dominate in the summer league or veterans who do it, but. I am intrigued by how good Chetty Osman and even Ante Zizic, who they picked up in that trade, 
um, have looked in summer league. So, Chick, you've you know kind of seen them up close in Vegas. Have you what stood out to you about those guys and Sexton too? Just about because look, the, the Cavs, you know, we know what they're going to be in a post-LeBron world. They're going to be as much as Dan Gilbert and Ty Lue don't want to admit it. They're going to be uh, a rebuilding young team. Uh, so they need these guys to show some yeah. sort of flashes. What have you seen from them? Well, that's what Sexton actually said today. I just like he just did a post game scrum like 20 minutes ago before I came up here. But um, and we were asking him, I was like, well, who's kind of going to be the veterans on this team with LeBron gone? And Sexton was like, well, you know, that's something that's going to fall on me too. And he, he was talking about how you know he had to lead at Alabama in his one year there. But yeah, but he did also mention like he's going to turn to guys like Chetty Osman and. Uh, and Zizic. And I, I didn't see Chetty play because he didn't play today. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, these guys, you kind of, the, the Cavs, let's face it, need these guys, right? Like, I mean, and we know what the Cavs are going to be. They're going to be a lottery team. Um, but you hope that the kind of, like, that, um, you know, campy, like, excitement that kind of built up around Chetty Osman, you know, when he got minutes this year, that, you know, what he learned playing, you know, on these teams is going to carry over. Uh, you know, for the Cavs, you know, he, he's a guy who could probably be a pretty serviceable NBA player. Zizic, I'm not so sure about, mm. um, you know, but, you know, there's definitely some talent there at center. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess in, this is probably, you know, for the Cavs, this is probably a great example of what Summer League is for because it gets guys like that, second-year guys, into uh, a situation where they, they know now that you know, it's not going to be the same. LeBron's gone. And then you get these young guys like Sexton in there, too, the first-year guys. And you can start to try and build some some cohesiveness. I, I'm kind of impressed by Sexton. I mean, like like I said, he was kind of talking with a lot of bravado today about, like, kind of taking a leadership role. But I think he also is smart enough that he has to, like, defer to the guys who have been there a bit, too. Um, yeah, I mean, Sexton's, like, I, I'm – like, I, I was a big fan of him in college just because of his, like – ability to kind of just light it up from anywhere you know he, he, he struck me as like an almost better Lou Williams but um, I, he like I, I think he has like great passing ability and court sense as well so like you know I, I think that you know he could be a, he's a work in progress as well but I think he, the Cavs in that standpoint I at least have a kind of maybe an exciting player um, you know it's not quite the same I guess as when Kyrie Irving came in after Braun left the first time but you know he's a guy and a player who could keep butts in seats, so they all just don't give up their season tickets right away. Although I think Dan Gilbert locked him in long-term anyway. I was going to say, Dan Gilbert won't let that happen anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah what was the report I mean, that they had to, people had to uh, lock in for three seasons if they wanted yeah. to keep them going forward? Yes, and I guess that happened, like, what, last fall as well, before anybody knew what was going to happen. Like, the, I don't even understand, like, how is that allowed? Yeah, it's shady. It's shady. I mean, but I guess it's it. his... It's his franchise. He can do what he wants. But I don't know. I feel like the NBA, if if that is actually what happened, I feel like the NBA should have some sort of rules in place where you can't do that. You can't tell people they need to lock into three years worth of season seats. Well, I mean, he yeah. runs a mortgage company. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm he might have some say, ideas from from his previous job. I was gonna say I don't want I don't want to slander the particular company, but that industry in particular isn't known for its uh, you know uh, morality necessarily. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, no, you're right about the NBA, though. I'm, I'm kind of surprised, actually, now that you mentioned that, that they haven't said something. Um, I, I know they're pretty tight on a lot of, like, secondary tickets and things like that, so why wouldn't they, you know, say something about this? But then again, um, like, Gilbert's been admonished by uh, Adam Silver before, so. Mm. 
Um, I, I think the one thing with Sexton too is that like just beyond the fact that uh, you know he's uh, clearly a very talented prospect, like the height and everything, like it might um, inhibit yeah, someone who is like primarily small, trying small, to draft. Yeah, he's pretty small. Yeah. He's only six yeah. three. Like he's not he's not especially bulked up yet. Obviously, he's a rookie. He can change that. Yeah. But, um, I, I I just stood next to him by the way. I don't even think he's six three. I think he's like six two. I think his hair makes him like six three and a half. Um, that's smart. And, I, and but the thing too, well, like and just in comparison to Trey Young, the thing is Trey Young's got like kind of slight build. Like the thing about Sexton is he's built bigger. Right. Um, he's he's kind of got almost this bulldog type frame. Yeah. Um, and like he's we know how explosive he is. Now obviously Trey Young's like that too, is more of a shooter, like more of a. That's just why I kind of worry about. Trey Young long term is, is that body going to hold up I think Sexton you know as long as he has his explosiveness um, you know probably holds up well but I guess it all remains to be seen yeah um, and I think the one thing with Sexton too is like he has a lot of personality right like he really does have a sense of like um, what it sort of means to be a star sort of just off the court as well like um, talking a big game, like carrying yourself with a certain swagger, and like I think that that really would help in a post-LeBron world in Cleveland because the Cavs fans, as much as you know, um, they get dumped on all the time because they're in Cleveland. Like they're still a very prideful group, right? And they need someone to rally around. And I feel like you know they're gonna they're gonna attach themselves to Sexton uh, really quickly if they haven't already. Yeah, if if he's good, and I think he's gonna, we know what he is. I think he's he's gonna be a scorer. Um, then yeah, they'll sell they'll sell Sexton jerseys in Northeast Ohio without any trouble at all. Like, uh, and yeah, I mean that's good. I mean no franchise has had kind of a weirder decade, you know, to go from yeah. losing your franchise player native son once and going in the tank for four years, getting them back, winning a title, losing them again, and now you're going back into that. It's kind of like. Uh, Cleveland's had like the NBA, the full NBA experience on steroids. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. So I don't know. I, yeah, I kind of feel bad. For, I don't feel bad for him at all. But you know, like it's it's good that they've got you know, hopefully a franchise player to to rally around. True. Um, what else have you been seeing, sort of in summer league, uh, talking to execs or anything like that? Um, just you know, what's going on down there? Uh, it's just you know, there's a lot of media people too. Um, I, I did talk to the. Our foreman, the, the GM of the Bulls, who just randomly happened to sit in the media section. He took a media guy's seat nice. um, and defiantly wouldn't leave. So I just started peppering him with questions. Um, Sounds very Gar foreman like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, 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 he actually seemed quite affable. I was, I was surprised. I mean, he's a, you hear about Gar packs and all that stuff, but um, hey, but he, he just basically like I asked him what Zach Levine. Everybody's like slamming that deal, probably rightfully so. And he just said, oh, there was no chance they were going to let him go. Like, And obviously Zach Levine, you know, was happy about the contract, even though I don't think he was happy that he had to sign an offer sheet to get it. Um, but, it, like, it sounds like the Bulls were going to pay him anyway. Um, so, I don't know. And, and the other thing with the Bulls, too, is, like, uh, Carter, um, their draft pick looks pretty good here. Um, and Foreman was saying, and this makes sense, actually, like, the idea of him matching up with uh, Lowry Markinen could be pretty sweet. I mean, that's another kind of like, it's obviously not going to be the same as Bamba and Isaac, but uh, no, this is, it could be a pretty good front court pairing. Um, you know, the games kind of like work together. Um, there's a little bit of spread there. Um, so yeah, and apparently Markinen's been having some crazy uh, workout regimen this summer. So I think he he's going to come back. He looks a bit bulked up for sure. Yeah, he's going to come back more muscular. So 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, so the Bulls are interesting. I mean, they're not going to the playoffs anytime soon, but, you know. And then the, the Levine contract's definitely questionable. Um, also, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. looked pretty good. I mean, he didn't really play after the first game. He hasn't played much after this first game. He hit a bunch of threes. Right. Uh, but that game against Bamba, that looked like a pretty cool matchup, too. Like, this is another matchup. When I, like, when I watched Bamba versus Aiton, you kind of got the feeling, yeah, these guys could be battling for, like, a decade to come. He sort of got that feeling with Jackson as well. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, terms of the Raptors, they talked to Nick Nurse and discovered how high he is on Malachi Richardson, who Whoa. who came to Toronto in the, the, the tragic Bruno Cabroclo deal in February. Okay. Um, and the thing with Malachi, too, is like, so, as you guys know, I'm like, kind of like a Syracuse fan, but you know, Syracuse's record in like producing NBA players is like abysmal. Um, it's pretty so like, Carvalho. Yeah, once you get past Mello and, like, the old guys, like Derek Coleman and, like, uh, what's the guy's name, Dave Bing? Yeah, it's pretty terrible. <laughs> yeah, if you got to rattle help Dave Bing, that, that's a throwback right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, so, like, if he plays, if Malachi Richardson plays, like, four more regular season games for the Raptors, he'll be, like, the second most uh, tenured Syracuse guy uh, to play for the Raptors. The, the number one guy was John Wallace. But, yeah, like, I mean, it, it just shows you how, like, few – uh, not only like Syracuse got played for the Raptors, but just quality NBA players overall. Um, but yeah, no, and the thing about him too, though, is it kind of makes sense because when he came out of the draft, like I think it was two years ago, like he was kind of like that prototypical three and D guy. You know, he's like six six and like a seven foot wingspan. Um, but like the thing is, like the numbers didn't really back it up because when he his one year at Syracuse, he wasn't even really that good of a shooter, and it's not like he defended that much in college because. He's in like Bayheim's two-three zone, so he's not doing a lot of man. Like that system's pretty regimental. There's not a lot of room for. Uh, I mean, it, it, like his length would come in handy in it, but it's not like he's guarding guys one-on-one a lot. So I think you know, like, but like Nick Nurse said, like this guy's like kind of like a prototype to project. He's like they don't make bodies like this basically. So, um, so he was really singing his praises. I was kind of surprised, like. So. And he's, he, he was playing well here. He was very active on defense, yeah. uh, rotating. Um, he's hitting shots. So, you know, again, consider the competition, but maybe we'll see Malachi Richardson play more uh, games with the big club uh, next season. That's uh, that's some good Malachi Richardson intel there, Chick. Uh, <laughs> in all seriousness, though, I, I read the, the piece you were referencing about you talking to Gar Foreman about the, uh, the Zach Levine deal and how he said um, – you know, he told you that there was like never a question basically within the Bulls organization about whether or not they'd keep him. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing I, I'd say is, look, look, I think we've all had our laughs at the expense of the Garpax um, uh, executive branch in Chicago with Foreman and Pax in there. And, yeah, I think the the contract Zach Levine's now going to be on is kind of a joke. But I think it's, it's so easy as fans or, you know, as non-Bulls fans if you're kind of like – if if you're ripping the team, it's very easy to say, well, how could they do that? How could they match that offer sheet? But I think, you know, you could sometimes put yourself in an, in an executive's shoes too, where Zach Levine, you know, along with the pick that turned into marketing and also Chris Dunn, obviously was the centerpiece of the Jimmy Butler trade, which was yeah. just over a year ago. And so, that's, that's right. you know, it's very easy to say, well, they should, they should just let Zach Levine walk if someone like the Kings wants to overpay him. But it's easy to say that when you weren't in the position of, you know, trading for that guy just a year ago as the centerpiece of this like franchise altering trade. And then, you know, if you're 
if you're talking about then moving that guy a year later with assets coming back, that's one thing. But to just but to let, lose for nothing, yeah. You know, yeah, Zach Levine's right. not as good as what his contract's going to be, but he's also better than the type of player you should just be letting walk for nothing. So I think it's such yeah. a fine line to kind of to kind of straddle, right? Yeah, you're right about that. I think that I think Levine's also one of these guys who's a polarizing player because like he's such a spectacular dunker that a lot of people question what well, does he really do anything right. else. So he's been one of these like polarizing guys, much like his former teammate Andrew Wiggins is in a way. Obviously, I think Wiggins is leaps and bounds a better player, but um, but yeah, you know, you're right. I mean, and that's what I said to Forma too. I'm like, you know, like so it's a case of you know you're not just going to let this asset walk away. You've got this asset back. I mean, whether or not people, your fans are going to shred you anyway. Yeah. No, it's true though, right? If, if yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're, he's, he's going to get shredded if they if they let him walk a year after this guy was the centerpiece of the Jimmy Butler trade. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and it brings up another funny point, though, too, because we're talking about incompetent teams. So, so the Kings are the one that offered this guy yeah. that contract anyway. So, yeah. I mean, so when you get Sacramento involved, the, the breathtaking stupidity continues in a whole other direction. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we we, we got to give a lot of credit to the Kings on that one, actually. Yeah, the Bulls the Bulls did seem to be playing hardball with Levine. They were very willing to let uh, yeah. another team set the market for him. Just unfortunately for the Bulls, that team was the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it really it's it's poetic justice. Like. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it, look, it's not even a good time for the Kings. I mean, like, look, I, I'm sorry, but Marvin Bagley has not looked good uh, in summer league, and now he's injured. Like, now he's hurt. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's probably a tough time to be a Kings fan. But I mean, honestly, when is it not tough to be a, a Kings fan? Anyway, Chick, uh, thanks for checking up with us uh, from summer league. Um, you know, we'll have you back on the podcast when you're back in uh, back here. Thanks, Toronto. thanks for killing a half hour with us talking about summer league after we all joked around about how crappy the brand of basketball is. <laughs> yeah, but we'll sit in a room and talk about it for half hour, and well, people will. This, this, this is the thing, though. Like, I, it's really is like like the, like a major event on the NBA calendar, and I'm like, and it's centered around some of the worst basketball you'll ever see. It's pretty funny, like. Everybody associated with the league is here at some point, and it's just—it's it's amazing that it's just focused around such bad balls. But you know, it's nice to see you know rookies come up and dominate, get a little bit of intel on second-year guys. So it's—it's it's definitely useful. All right, thank you, Chick. Thanks, Chick. Cool, man. We'll see you guys soon.